0: Jessica, who will be facilitating our Testimony Sunday.
1: Can you all hear me? Oh, that's better. I feel like I have the, uh, the Testimony Sunday starter pack up here. I got my notes. I got the wipes. I even got the Beyonce fans. So we're good. We're good. I even told myself I wasn't gonna do a joke today, but I just love hearing all of you laugh. So, oh, Mary's here. Good to see you. Hello, hello. Welcome, everyone. So good to see your faces. My name is Jessica, and uh, you may know me as the girl that does testimony Sundays. But, woo, woo! I so excited. Um, I'm excited for this word because it is, it has been something that God has been teaching me in this season, and I believe. um, that we can all say the same about this um, this lesson, and so we're just gonna jump right in. Huh. You ready? You with me? All right. I don't know about. Th- I might have like a wardrobe malfunction with this fan, so maybe we could turn it off. Thank you, sister. <laughs> also, I'm sorry for this distracting shirt. I told Isabel that I feel like a scoop of what, what ice cream? What, Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> But uh, it is not about me, it is about uh, God this morning. Can I get an amen for that? All right, so let's pray, let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, Lord God, um, God, thank you for Testimony Sunday. Thank you for this sacred time that we get to just glorify you and um, remember your goodness and hold on to um, just the fact that you're such a good God, a trustworthy God. Um, And God, I just thank you for just how evident it is that you love this church and you are here in this place, God. Um, Just to see so many people serving you with joy. Um, Yeah, I just thinking about the people that start days in advance preparing for today so that your spirit can move in this place. God, I'm just so grateful for the people that step into obedience and serve you. Would you give them an extra portion of your blessing this morning, God? Come be with us, Lord Jesus. This time is yours. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So back in July, um, last time we had testimony Sunday, um, I, I asked you to think about your own exodus out of something. Um, I clearly remember, Stephen, you talking about just having to leave that that. Pr- version of yourself that didn't think you were enough and getting that promotion, right? Um, and so many others that shared that day. and that we would sit in remembering God's goodness in our that that would carry us just as God had asked the Israelites to remember the day that he brought them out of Egypt, that we too would remember uh, what He had done in our lives when things get hard. And friends haven't we all had those difficult seasons? Maybe you're in it right now, or you can remember a time that God was so clearly with you in that difficult season. Um, some of you may know that right now we're in just a season of waiting with our youngest son Ethan, um, and just not really knowing what's happening with his body, and that his body is attacking itself and um, and his blood, and so. I am here to remind you this morning that uh, fear is not our future, he is. Fear is not our future, he is. You may have heard of the song lyric I'm referring to. It's um, pretty popular on the radio right now. I recently heard that song lyric and as it was repeating over and over again, um, it just struck me. That is the lesson God is trying to teach me in this season. And I'm sure he's trying to teach you or has in the past. That God is trying to tell you fear is not your future. He is. And see, this has been the narrative of God across generations, across history. It's what he wanted the Israelites to remember as they left Egypt into the wilderness. A journey that should have only taken 11 days, but ended up taking 40 years. And it was because of their lack of faith, their lack of obedience, that this journey ended up taking so long. Fear should have not been their story. They had seen God. Clearly. It was as clear as day. A cloud by morning and Fire by night guiding them in the wilderness. They had clearly seen God, and yet, time after time, they grew hungry and complained. They grew impatient and grumbled. They grew fearful and lost sight of the promise and basically wanted to overthrow Moses as their leader and go back to slavery in Egypt. I, too, could have chosen into fear week after week as Ethan, my two-year-old, gets blood work, and we see his platelet, platelet levels decreasing week after week. And for those of you that don't know, I'm still learning. Um, if he were to get injured, there's the, the danger that he would bleed out, but how do you tell a two-year-old to be careful and stay put? Um, yeah, I'm sure we've tried, right? <laughs> to no avail. No avail. How many times do we let fear take hold of our stories instead of focusing our eyes on the one who is in control of it all? Even if it means letting the grips of fear take over our lives, because isn't that what the enemy wants after all? To live in the slavery of fear? Or I could choose to have a lifetime perspective. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And we'll look at a person in scripture who had lifetime perspective. I first learned about this term from Pastor Chris uh, a few months ago. As he puts it, um, he was describing his father. And his father is one who has a lifetime perspective. Which means it's knowing how to look at the big picture knowing that the day-to-day circumstances and the temporary suffering don't determine God's goodness. But rather they serve to teach us something about God's character and to teach us to trust in him more. Can you say that about your own journey of suffering? To have a lifetime perspective. Easier said than done. I could choose to hyper-analyze on the numbers as they're released every week. And know that he's at like 2,000 platelets right now when he should be at 250,000. I could choose into that, into that fear, just as you may have chosen into fear in other situations of your own life. I know we all have different walks of life. My good friend, Brittany, who's not here today, um, she's been helping me shape my lifetime perspective. So I wanted to share a few things that I've learned. For about a year now, God has supernaturally brought us together as we are kind of on this journey of being new moms and um, life group members together. And so we pray once a week. And Brittany has been reminding me that um, it's not about our present suffering and trying to make God change the circumstances Oh, how I pray that Ethan's numbers would go up. But that might not be the case for Ethan. What is it that you have prayed for? Trusting that God would move and change a circumstance for you. Brittany has helped me remember that it's more about asking God to change our hearts. God, what is it that you're trying to teach me in this season of suffering? What can I learn from you? How can I open up my heart to what you're trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me in this season of suffering as I look at my two-year-old each and every time he is poked and prodded and cries, no more, it hurts. What am I to learn from this? Believe me, there is something to learn from your suffering. It is not in vain. Mary had a lifetime perspective. We're currently studying Mary in our life group, shameless plug, um, as part of a series of women in the New Testament. And I'd love for us to take some time this morning to look at how Mary responds in the uncertainty of finding out that she is going to carry the Holy One, the Son of God. As we read, I want us to pay close attention to how Mary responds To the knowledge of carrying Jesus, how does she exhibit a lifetime perspective? So, would you uh, stand with me if you're able to honor the reading of God's word? This morning, we're reading out of Luke 1, 46 through 56. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows me mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. You may be seated. God, thank you that your word is a living word and there is so much that we can still learn from the lowly servant girl, Mary. God, would you teach us to have a lifetime perspective this morning? May we learn from her and her response to you upon learning of the gift that she would be carrying God, soften our hearts. Uh, would you help us to recall moments in our life when we have had lifetime perspective? Or would you help us to see how we need to have a lifetime perspective to carry on in this season of suffering, Lord God? We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. How did Mary exhibit a lifetime perspective? Why do you think she was able to believe God for the impossible? We see her humility in verses 38 and 48. She refers to her as this, herself as a lowly servant girl. She knows she is nothing without God. And then we also see something that I hope we catch this morning because it's something that I am just starting to find joy in. It's the deep knowledge Of God's promises. And where do we find that, church? We find that in his word. By being rooted in his word, that is where we find his trustworthiness, his promises that happen from generation to generation. And that's what Mary refers to. He made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. She was able to believe God because... It came from a deep knowledge and trust of God's promises. And just as Mary was able to tap into that, so can we. Right? That's right, Brother Matthew. We can believe God for the impossible. Whether it's blood counts or whatever it is that you are facing or have faced in the past. Mary was able to trust and believe that what was going to happen was true because she had an awareness and deep understanding of those historical promises. So friends, this is my prayer for us this morning as we open up and we get to rejoice in your testimonies of how you have seen this in your own life or as you come up to proclaim, like I am in the thick of it right now but I am choosing to believe that fear is not my future, that he is. This is my prayer that God would in our lives and our circumstances help us to see that just as Mary, generation after generations after the Israelites left Egypt, that we would be able to cling onto those same promises and that that would help us carry carry us through um, because his trustworthiness spans generations. He's so good to us and so, Uh, There are two questions that Scott so graciously prepared. Uh, I have to give a a special shout-out to Scott this morning. (laughs) To Scott. Three people were, like, bombarding him gently um, for help with, like, tech things. Me being one of them. And, like, dude didn't even break a sweat. Um, (laughs) So thank you, Scott. Um, These are the two questions that will guide our time this morning. Um, So for those of you that have gone through a season of suffering. What did God teach you in that? Because I know some of you are in deep, deep seasons of pain. I, I'm praying and I am believing and, and praying earnestly. Some of you have shared those deep pains with me. And some of them are unspoken. We need you to just testify like, oh my God, okay, if God has moved and He can move again, just as Mary proclaimed. But there are also some of you in here where you're in it right now, and maybe you just need to come out in faith and in boldness and be like, I am in this right now, and it's hard for me to see God's goodness, but I'm choosing to believe that fear is not my future. So wherever you fall here, we'd love for you to come up and um, yeah, just glorify God in this time of testimony. Yeah, let's give it up for our sister.
2: No, <laughs> I have a lot of feelings. Um, so I know last last week, um, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, we spoke about family, um, and you see, I'm already like my sh- my voice is already shaky. Um, And how some of us have gone through certain experiences with family that um, it's hard to forgive or it's hard to forget or it's hard to move past and we live with that anger and that resentment in our heart. And so um, I grew up, you know, very normal in, you know, going to Catholic church. I went to a Catholic school. I had both my mom and my dad, my siblings. Um, In time, as we grew up, my older sister had a lot of problems. Um, She was running away. She was getting into trouble, into drugs, um, things that were not appropriate, especially for her age. She was 15 when all of these problems started. And so we're four years apart. And so during that time, um, it was really difficult for us because my, my mom went through the thick of it um she really just set her sight on my sister and making sure that she was okay and you know we would i remember being you know 10 11 years old and driving around the neighborhoods trying to find my sister and i remember uh my mom's emotional state not being where it needed to be she was she, she fell into a big deep depression um she you know took overdosed on sleeping pills a bunch of times. Um, And so I have a younger sister who's three years younger than me, and I automatically assumed the parenting role. Um, And it was not something that was expected of me. It was not something that I needed to do, because realistically, my mom was still present in the household. My dad was still present in the household. But I knew that my mom wasn't. She was there, but she wasn't there. And so that, you know, that was just basically life, and we saw a lot of things that we probably shouldn't have seen and experienced a lot of things that we shouldn't have experienced. Um, And so growing up, there was always this resentment, I would say, where it was like, well, everyone always depends on me. And in the beginning, I was like, okay, well, I'm the more responsible one, I'm the more level-headed one, like I'm the one more financially able to help my siblings and my parents, and when my mom had issues, she would come to me, my siblings had issues, they would come to me. Um, And that's kind of just how I took it. I was always the nurturing one. And it's not just with family, it was with friends, with strangers that I just met. Um, And we had gotten into an argument maybe three weeks ago a month ago and periodically throughout life we've gotten into arguments and we stopped talking for a few weeks uh the longest period we had without talking was uh when i was pregnant with alina and we didn't talk my entire pregnancy um up until maybe like a month or two before alina was born and so uh we got into an argument um because of my older sister and because of the way that we grew up and the way that things were then and, in a sense, the way that things still are now because we're still struggling and still having problems with her. Except now she has two kids. And those two kids basically fall on our lap and our and hands and our responsibility because she's just not present the way that she should be. So we got into a disagreement because of that. We stopped talking. Um... I came to church, and, you know, I had prayed for my mom, I had prayed for my sister, but it wasn't, I, I feel like it wasn't something that was rooted deeply in my heart. It was something that I know they're struggling, and I'm going to pray for them, and, you know, that's it. Um, so when I heard the scripture last week, I mean, I cried, I prayed, and um, this week I opened up to Adrian, and, you know, I told him a lot of things that I hadn't told people Um about growing up and our upbringing and um something happens with my sister and I reached out to my mom um and my mom is a very prideful person and sh- if she's mad at you she will not talk to you and you know so me reaching out and her answering was a big deal so I reached out and I asked her, you know, what happened with my sister, and she kind of started telling me, and you know, we kind of got into a deep conversation. And so, um, we have had to try to have this conversation many times before, where it's like I'm going to tell you how I feel and like my emotions and what I went through growing up, and she always gets really defensive, really angry. She says that you know, we, sh- she had it harder, and that you know we were perfectly fine, and, you know, then she gets to the point where she's like, you guys are always at blaming, everything's my fault, and um, it, it turns into that. Um, so we had this conversation and I, and, you know, I, I told her, I said, look, I understand that I made a mistake. I said, a lot has changed. I've changed as a person 100% from who I was two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm able to come and tell you, you know, like, I made a mistake in the way that I approached the situation, but I think that the reason for me being upset is valid. And so we kind of got into it, and then, you know, sooner or later she was saying, you know, you guys always say it's my fault, everything's my fault. And so I sat there, and I told her, I said, you know, I don't think things are your fault. I think that we're humans, and we make mistakes, and, you know, when certain situations were happening, you did the best that you could in that time, and you did the best that you, or what you thought was best for us and for everybody in the family. And, you know, as parents and as humans, we all make mistakes in the process. And we may not realize it then, but as time comes on, I said, but what we need to understand to be able to have this conversation is that I need to validate your, your emotions and your experience, and you also need to validate everybody else's emotions, because we all went through the same thing in the household, but we all had different experiences, and it affected all of us differently. Um, And so she kind of didn't argue back, (laughs) and she kind of just heard me out, and this was the first time ever in almost 30 years that she really sat and listened and accepted what I was saying. And so, you know, I told her, you know, I'm a, I'm a parent, and even though I don't have as much experience as you, and I haven't had to face the problems that you had, and hopefully I never do, but, you know, I'm also a parent, and I've also made my mistakes, you know. And I, and I, I, I basically told her, you know, I, I, sometimes I react angry because I'm worried about you, and because I care about you, and because I love you. And these are things that are very difficult to tell and speak to her about, because she's not a very emotional person. You know, we, we joke around with her, and I'll hug her, and I'll kiss her, and we'll dance, and she's kind of just like, okay, get out of here. You know, like, leave me alone. Um, but it's not ever, we've never been able to have, like, an open conversation about our feelings. Um, and so I told her, you know, I I worry about you, and I want you to do good. And I don't like that you experienced these things and that you went through this. And, you know, I, I just want you to know that I don't think you're a bad mom. Um, I, I want you to know that I understand that you make mistakes and that you also did what you thought was the best for us at that time. I said, but you also need to be able to validate that we also are hurt and we also have that resentment and the anger in our heart. And so um, at the end of the day, I'm just worried about you. I care about you. I love you. Um, and without realizing it, I realized that, like, I used to be very prideful, and I used to be very resentful, and I used to not be able to talk about my emotions. So I kind of sat back, and, and I realized, like, oh, my gosh, you know, like God is God is working through my heart to change me and to become this, this, this open vessel of love and kindness and understanding. And I'm healing, you know, and he's helping me heal. And her response was, you know, like, I love you too. And, like, thank you, I needed to hear that. And so I feel like not only was it healing for me, but it also helped heal her heart. And we were able to see that. And and I told her, you know, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean that I have to be mad at you. Just because I disagree with you or I don't agree with certain things means that we are not in each other's lives or that we don't speak to one another. Um, and so I think it was just something that was very healing that I never thought. I would be able to have that conversation with her. And I think it was healing for her at the same time because at the same time, like, she has that weight lifted off of her shoulders where she's like, you know what? My daughter forgives me or my daughter understands. And, like, I did make a mistake. And to feel that not everyone, I I don't know if she felt that we were mad at her. I mean, in a sense, we were, you know. But to have that lifted off of her shoulders really just shows that, you know, God is healing me and he's healing The people who are surrounding me, based off of like what I'm going through in my experiences. So that that's all.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Angie, for sharing. Um, Yeah, what a beautiful testimony to connect to what Pastor Chris was talking about last week and how we reflect Christ to our families. Um, and, and you, you said it so perfectly because as I was prepping and, and just trying to, you know, what is it, God, that you want to communicate? Like, it so perfectly connects to being in the word. Like, how are we to reflect Christ if we don't know his promises and what he wants for our life, his will for our life, right? And so, um, thank you for stepping out in boldness and, um. Yeah, leaving these doors and putting into application what we heard last week. It's beautiful to hear that God is moving in and through you. Yeah, who else? Let's see. All right. Oh, okay, we'll do, um, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Deja and then Mary and then Matthew. All right. Come on up, Deja.
3: morning, everyone. I'm Deja. Um, so what did God teach me in my season of waiting and suffering? So, um, I'm not originally from here. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and I came here with my two daughters, um, and I drove here actually. I drove across the country basically by ourselves and You know, when I first got here, I didn't understand why God had led me here. And I didn't understand how I was going to survive. I didn't have the funds to basically suffice for us to be here. But God just continuously provided for us, and he moved so strongly. And, And he taught me that whenever I tell you to do something, Whenever I lead you to do something, do it with boldness and do it with faith because I'm going to provide for you strongly. He said in his word he's a strong provider. And and he's led me. He's He's brought me. I came here. I didn't even know what he wanted me to come here to do. I got into school. He blessed me to get into school. He got my kids into school. Um, he led me into a job. And... and He's just continuously, just miraculously providing for me in different ways. And, and so so he's showing me to just keep the faith and, and don't worry during the times where it doesn't seem like, you know, things are going to go the way that I want them to go or I can't see how I'm going to make it out of certain situations. And he's also, he's built a, a strong support system for me I don't have family out here I'm I'm basically here by myself like I said (laughs) thank you and and he's just continuously bringing great people into my life just miraculously like Miss Gina invited me here to this church I met her just at the park and I was going through so much and we just up out of nowhere just start having a conversation about God and she and she she brought me here and invited me here He's just continuously, hey, Miss Gina. <laughs> he's just, he is continuously just showing himself to me. And he's allowed me to minister to other people to bring them to him. And, and he's, he's showing me through, he's showing me himself through me. Like I'm ministering to people and I'm seeing them have faith in and go and do great things for themselves, and I'm like, wow, God, I already knew you were real, but you're using me, and I see you using me, and and I see you, like, sprouting out of me, and I'm just so thankful that I have faith, and I believe in him, and he's continuously showing himself to me, and I'm still in a season of trusting him, and getting through the hurdles of, you know, being a single mom, and you know, not having everything that I need to suffice for myself, but God is just continuously, like I said, I'm just keeping faith and He's continuously providing for me in different ways and I'm just so thankful. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Deja.
2: What
1: a blessing to just hear this is what it's about to hear how God is moving in us he's here he he is moving so thank you um I love that imagery that he is just sprouting out of you and man for Gina to be walking through that door as you are up here like (laughs) yo if that's not God Mary come on up Matthew I saw you I got you brother all right you're up next
0: Hello. All right. Um, good morning. Uh, I was not planning to come up here, so uh, I may just ramble a little bit. Apologize for that. Um, okay, so my name is Mary, and um, I had done a testimony last year in November that you know, my mom was on, in hospice. They had, and we thought she was gonna pass away. My mom has died probably like three or four times. But, you know, so it got, so this last time um, she got sick, uh, we didn't even know. So July 29th was the last time we'd seen her. And then she just went MIA um, for two weeks. I, I would always check on Facebook because um, I had talked about how our relationship wasn't all that great. Um, but God helped us um, kind of um, just fix our relationship. And it wasn't the way we thought, like, you know, we were going to be together, go to breakfast and all that. I actually broke up with my mom. Like, we made peace. <laughs> And then I was like, I have to break up with you because I cannot tolerate you. And she's like, I can't tolerate you, Miha. You know, like we're both very strong, you know, like I don't, I don't like drama, um, and neither does she. Uh, so we kind of broke up, but we would definitely text and I would look at Facebook, make sure she's, she's eating. She would love to go out to eat. Um, and, um, and sure, like after the 29th, after her birthday, um, she kind of went MIA on us on Facebook and everything. And, um, and then I got a call from my brother, the one that she was living with, um, that she wasn't doing good at all. And that's the thing, like, she's super healthy, um, but when God, when it's time, you know, your body just deteriorates like this. Um, because when I seen the pictures, like, I'm glad I didn't see her like that, because um, I don't think I would have been able to tolerate that. Um, and God is so good that even when she passed, um, although my brother was right there. Um, she kind of like fell asleep and and that was it. And I feel like that had to happen because I think we would have had, there seven of us, uh, we would have had probably some anger towards my brother, like why didn't you call us, you know, all the drama would have came out. But she went, Jesus had her, and um, we got a call in the morning at like 4.30, so we all, all seven of us, so I don't know if you guys remember, all seven of us, um, I think there was only two or three of us talking to her. And that was just, you know, just talking to her. But um, from November to now, uh, all seven of us had a relationship with her. So I think, and my mom, um, we had a pool party at my sister-in-law's house that hated us for two years as well. Um, she opened her doors, and I seen my mom, like, finally, like, resting. Like, she's seen all of us in the pool having a good time and she said my family's together and she was just so happy, you know, and um, so yeah, you know, uh, August 16th, um, she went to heaven and literally all seven of us came, my youngest brother was uh, didn't even go to his father's, he went to my, he came and we came together um, and loved on each other and uh, not only that, like, We could feel my mom, like my mom's presence. She was probably like a little girl again, like just running around, hugging us. Like, you know, our little babies, like they have no no, uh, fear, no anger, no nothing. She was free. And we could feel that. And that's why I want to thank Jesus that in the midst of all that pain, uh, there was so much joy and so much peace and hopefully healing. Um, As we talk about with family, you know, um, it's really hard right now. Us, seven of us are trying to stay together. Like I want when my mom, because we still haven't done our ceremony, when we do our ceremony, I want us to be there. I want to prove to everybody who thought that we weren't going to be anything, show them that, hey, we survived everything that we went through. My mom did the best that she can. And now, uh, unfortunately, they have to be gone in order for us to acknowledge that um, and really look back at the times that even when my mom used to allowed me to be in a gang, she, know, she knew that I needed that family because I, it was very, uh, it, was, it wasn't good at home with my stepfather. So she would rather be there, but she knew where I was at all the time. And in her own way, um, she's like, that's familia, you know. Back in the days, we had respect for each other in the barrio, so um, she knew I was being taken care of, you know. Um, so, yeah, just, I think, uh, yes, mourning, man, mourning. Uh, Migs was there, that I, I couldn't help it. I had to reach out to people, and that's another thing, just thanking God for, um, for my church family, that when I can't handle it, I, I could make a phone call, and I could cry my eyes out. You know, I didn't have to be strong. I'm weak, you know, and it's okay to be weak. Um, and then also, um, just, you know, if you have your mother next to you, because I had made peace with my mom, and I was okay not seeing her, like, every day. Um, knowing that she was going to go anytime. time. Um, but the moment she passed, like, I felt like literally, I, I know it sounds crazy, but like my umbilical cord got detached from my mother. And I never thought I would feel that, never. I always considered my grandmother my mother, but I didn't feel that with my grandma as I did with my mother. So even, even though you think that, you know what, I'm okay with mom or I'm good, don't ever forget to hug her and just tell her you love her or have, if she wants to go have coffee, you know. Those were the little things that I was like, man, when she wants to go eat, like go out to eat with her. Make that time, you know, make that time because those are those little moments that you're going to cherish and I'm sure that she's going to be even more at peace or, you know, when they go. Um, And my mom was only 14 years older than me. It made me, it scared the crap out of me too because I'm like, I'm right behind her, you know. And again, how do I want my kids to receive me? How do I want my kids to be? Are they going to be able to uh, move on? I don't want them to be struggling, you know, um, inside. So I want to know, like, if there's anything that we could resolve, let's resolve it now. Let's do this on a daily basis, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: As we uh, start wrapping this up, worship team, if you could... Um, start making your way up. Yeah, I'm gonna thank you, G. Um, G. Um, God, thank you for the. I want to just say like the veteranas, like the ones that right, because that, that's what I needed, and I know we need it up here. Like, thank you for um, just sharing. Like, it's possible. Those of you, uh, some of you are struggling with family and like praying for that to happen as my make my way back to Matthew. Um, so thank you, Mary. I needed that. I know some of us needed that in the room. Thank you, Deja. God, that we would, like, step into that obedience as she did. Um, And Matthew, finish strong for us, brother. Finish strong for us.
4: And, you you know, now it's funny how um, um, Jessica brought up God's promises because I remember a couple weeks back on the road from an appointment where I was actually coming back from McDonald's. And Linda, my aunt, was was telling me that, um, you know, in her Sunday school, Mind you, half the a lot of people there are like 75, 65, 75 older than most of us. And the the teacher asked her, "Hey, he asked the class, how many of you know one of God's promises?" And to my, to my amazement, I was surprised to learn half the class was silent. <laughs> they couldn't give anybody a straight answer. So, um, bottom line, if you're if you're not in a position of Of bravery and boldness to go out and be that light, I encourage you to get a booklet of, I think it's on crosswalk or christianbook.com where they list, where they bring out about 199 or 299 of God's promises. Read them for yourself and if you're not the talking type, pass it it to one of your relatives or someone on the street if you're not in the position of, of witnessing with your words.
1: Matthew, uh, bringing the the word of application to us. Thank you, brother. Yeah. And by the way, uh, that book sounds awesome, but we all know where we can find God's promises. And it's in his word. Um, I would encourage you, start wherever you'll find his promises. Uh, Something I do, you know, as we are sharing our, our practices, highlight as you're reading on that Bible app. Whatever, wherever it is you read. Highlight it in yellow. Whenever you see God making a promise to his people or a promise fulfilled. I don't know. The color yellow just reminds me of like the rainbow and his promises fulfilled. And so that might be a small way for you to start. Know what God's promises are when it's hard to see. Um, Let us not be like the Israelites who were so quick to forget. Let us be like Mary who cling to the promises when things are uncertain and We can choose to be afraid or we can choose to cling to his promises. Um, And so if you have something that you want to share but you did not get a chance to come up here, there will be people along the sides and up in the front. Share that with someone today. What is it that you are in the waiting for that you just need to be reminded of God's promises? Thank you, worship team.